listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 46 and a half of Sentimental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, with Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III, and special guest, Deirdre Brooks. We're going to jump right back into the second part of our Thanksgiving show special. Enjoy. So, question number 13, a film that puts you in deep thoughts. I don't really know what that... All right. Well, well, well let me thought. let me give mine first and then we'll Okay. Uh, a film that puts you in deep thought. So, I took I took that as a film that just makes you think. Not I mean, I don't know what putting you in deep thoughts means, but I I just it just made me think a lot. And the movie I chose was A Ghost Story by David Lowry from uh 2017 with Casey Affleck and uh Rooney Mara. Has, has anyone else besides Deirdre seen it? I have not. I have not. It's awesome. It, it is I want a, to. It is an amazing and amazing film considering that Casey Affleck is on screen for pretty much the entire film underneath a sheet. Yep. Playing a ghost because it's a ghost story. The 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 basic story is is this guy passes away, young man passes away in a house in a on the property of a house uh that he lives in with his girlfriend and as a ghost he cannot leave the property. He is stuck in that space. And, you know, like, like any spirit, they, they, they give you the story conceit that basically something has to come. There's something holding him there to the property. There's something that's, that's keeping him there, uh, not allowing him to move on. So basically, this movie goes on to travel through potentially millions of years of his existence in this space that he cannot leave, but the space changes all around him, but he can't leave the space. He can't do anything, but it's like time passes for him. And then eventually I, I, I don't, I don't really want to go into anything more because the, the part of the part of the enjoyment of the film and, and the part that makes you really think about it is just, you, you get into this thing where you realize by the end of the film how much time that he has to live through in order to get to the point where he can have the opportunity to free himself. And it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of daunting and it's just, it's, it's, it's handled so well. And there's a couple of little side kind of little side bit stories with him and other people around like at one point he sees he sees a ghost in like the house next door and it's like they wave to each other from like from the windows 
because they they can see each other in the houses but it's like all they can do really is wave to each other <laughs> just it's it's i i would recommend anyone seeing this movie it, it is hands down one of the most unique and original films that i've seen in a really long time um latham uh it's a lynch film uh i'm gonna go with the mulholland drive which okay. uh i don't like uh i like lynch a lot i i have a problem sometimes when he doesn't fully well most of the time he doesn't fully explain himself but mulholland drive is different because when you watch it that's that's the allure of it is that you don't really understand what's going on and then towards the ending you it starts to get even more confusing and the last, the last, it's like the point of the film is to be confused. That's how I feel. And I think it works really well. So how's that for a deep fucking thought? Right. (laughs) Son. Million dollar baby. Interesting. Okay. It gets you. And you don't see it coming. Like if you haven't seen it before, you you just don't see it. The, the, the film coming at you the way it, the way it gets you. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to take that film a second time. That's true. And, and get the Good same point. effect that you have when you watch it the first time. I agree. I've never seen it, but I feel like if I did, I would have put it on the list. Yeah, probably. Somewhere. Cause it's, it's really <laughs> like, it's a punch in the face. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Deirdre, deep thoughts. Um, Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts with Deirdre. I went with more of a um, mental instability type of movie. And I chose Shutter Island. I was just going to say that that was going to get... I saw that movie and I don't remember... I remember it being heavy. And and I remember being like, holy shit, this movie is like really heavy. But I don't remember it anymore. I haven't seen it since. So... It's, I feel like that movie, that in, in subsequent viewings of that movie, I feel like you, 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 the more times you watch it, the more you unpack from it. There's a lot of layers to that movie, and you don't fully kind of realize all of them until you, you know, you've seen yeah. it a few times. It's like Jim Carrey's in number 23. That's, that's another movie. Yes. I, I had the same feeling yeah. about that. It's like, Jesus Christ. And I felt like Shutter Island didn't, didn't get its due. I felt like it didn't. Uh, it doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. No, because I mean, until he just mentioned it, I f- almost forgot about the movie completely. Like you know, what's that like? Did he Scorsese direct Shutter Island? No. Why can't I find it? I know I've seen it. I think I gave it a bad rating. Uh, I can't find it. I think I did not like it. Two thousand ten. Yeah, I mean, I remember it, and I remember the ending being. Uh, uh, like the reveal was not as great as I wanted it to be. Maybe I think. Okay. I agree with you uh, though, Steve, that there were different things that I picked up on upon multiple viewings that helped work your way around it. Absolutely. Number 14, a film that gave you depression. I don't really get depressed. So I picked a film that just at the end of it, you just kind of feel icky and and just the overall subject matter was was over kind of distasteful and the idea the concept behind it was just distasteful and the whole thing was just kind of ugh, 
I, I so I, I picked Leaving Las Vegas, Mike Figgis's movie. It's it's a film where I got you it, the whole, you you know the end game. You know the movie gives you the story in the first ten minutes, but and then but then you're forced to sit there and endure the trip. It's like I, I don't I don't you know if they'd have turned it around in some way to make it so that that wasn't the the end game, that would have been something. And obviously that wouldn't have been the the same film. I just that I just I I don't I'll never I'll never watch that film again. <laughs> I mean just yeah, I, mean, I mean just the scene of Elizabeth Shue sitting in the shower with her asshole bleeding is more than enough for me. I just I, okay. I you know I just I just don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry. I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's basically you're basically being an AA sponsor without ever meeting the person you're sponsoring. Yeah, that's how I feel about that movie. It's yeah. a good movie, but it's it's fucking. Yes, I I I appreciate for it. it I understand it's the level of which it's, you know, the got great reviews. I just it's for me. It's a movie that I I will have zero interest in ever experiencing again. So, Hassan. This one was tough. There's two of them. Yeah. I'd have to say that the one more than the other was House of Sand and Fog. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, Never seen it. I don't know if you should. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those. It is another one where it kind of doesn't really tell you. It's not like Leaving Las Vegas where it tells you where it's going to go. But it is one of those films right. where you do have to take the journey. And towards yep. probably the middle you could see where it's all gonna this how it's all gonna fall and just right. you know bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and there's there's you know and there's no exoneration for anybody at the end of it really good film really i think raheem and i talked about it because i made him watch it and he, yeah <laughs> he's still mad at me about it but it's a really good <laughs> it's a really good film but it's like the uh, okay. Deirdre, film that gave you depression. Okay, well, first of all, I like to premise this with I'm I'm depressed most of the time. So <laughs> something that made me even more depressed <laughs> was a ghost story. Oh, wow! Which okay. Steve just um, mentioned in one of his other picks, and that's because. It was so sad that he was stuck as a ghost in his own home that changed over and over. And he couldn't communicate with anyone except for waving to that other ghost. And he had to live basically in grief and in his own head for so long like that i just couldn't even deal with it was right. very sad okay and depressing can't okay. wait to see that yeah. movie now it was so good though yeah no <laughs> <laughs> nothing's that good yeah this tastes oh, terrible you, 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 it was you, no be, it was really you, well done and it was really interesting <laughs> Yeah, I, okay. I know exactly what she means, but when I and when I say when I picked it for my deep thoughts pick, it's it's one of the movies that in the last number of years has made me think about it more than 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 any other, and that's just because and it really is along the lines of what she's saying. There's just the 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 amount of the immense sadness that's that's kind of a part of how what you go through when you really start 
trying to process what you see in the film is is key to the to the film you know and the, but the thing is there's not even all that much dialogue so no it's crazy it it's it's really right. it's really moving i think it is uh latham uh mine was pretty easy it's uh deliverance uh, uh which is interesting a brilliant, brilliant film but just not a happy it film. hits you about Five different times <laughs> right in the fucking jaw. And I mean, I from the, well, I mean, yeah, depending on what scene, I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> One scene definitely doesn't hit you in the jaw. That's for sure. Squeal like uh, a pig. Yeah. It's, it's just like, okay, here was an idea that went horribly wrong. Thanks to rotten people. And then the <laughs> rotten. And then basically it's, Humanity is pretty awful. The end. All right. Okay. But um, well worth watching. Well worth watching. Oh, uh, I, I agree with you Only 100%. Once. Uh, yeah, not, I mean, I can not really a revisit. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than to see Burt Reynolds in that vest. <laughs> the, the dueling banjo John scene is pretty cool. The dueling banjo yeah. scene is pretty cool. Which it doesn't that, never made any sense why they call it dueling banjos because one of them is an acoustic guitar, but was, that's that's a nitpick. That, uh, well, all that's right. the first scene that hits you in the jaw, though, right off the yep. bat. That scene is like, okay, what's going on here? So it's another yeah. situation where it's like, wow, I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's been something people were telling me about like a couple of weeks later. And then, okay, oh, did I so all right, guys, time? after that weird gnome guy was playing a banjo, yeah. you didn't go home. Yeah, I didn't leave after the gimp yep. was, uh, you know, like, no, we yeah. hell no. <laughs> I mean, at first sight of the inbred child, that's I'm rebooking That's what I'm saying, but I, like, that. that's that's where they don't understand. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just leave right now? You know, like, it would be, that'd be so much, that'd be such a better memory reflecting on it on the road, heading far away from oh, that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you're playing music <laughs> together. That's a... That's, that's fun thing, I, even though he's I played music looking. my whole life. Playing music with weird people is no different than than talking to weird people. It's not really that <laughs> rewarding yeah, but, an experience where you decide I'm gonna, now I'm going to sleep over. You know, like it's not, have you ever played music with somebody and then thought like, oh, you know, something really bad might happen to my butt? <laughs> <laughs> well. uh... Not sure where I'm not sure of all the places you played Hassan, but um, <laughs> did, did you guys ever do a gig at the manhole? <laughs> anyway, wow. number 15, a film that makes you feel happy. My choice may seem a little odd, but you also had to have to know a little bit about me, which I'm going to assume this is what you're using to get to know me. So my choice for a film that makes me happy is John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, and that's because I just really love the hell out of that movie and I can just watch it over and over again. And it just makes me feel good about filmmaking and it makes me feel good about movies and special effects and all the, all the things about the horror genre that I love. And it just makes me, you know, for lack of a better term, it makes me feel happy. So that's my, that, that's my pick. Great choice. Deirdre. Oh, I get that. A happy thing for once. 
Yes, you get a happy thing. <laughs> um, I chose The Princess Bride because it's the perfect movie. And it has comedy and romance and action. And it's awesome. And I would watch it over and over as well. Might be one of the... Someone on that, that picked that movie for their movie. Yeah, the... Stoya. That might be that might be one of the one of the most uh, perfect upbeat films ever created. It's uh, it's it's solid beginning to end. Uh, Lay, uh, mine is uh, Amelie. Oh, nice. Okay, it's just pure joy once it gets going and all, once all the characters are introduced, you just start rooting for everybody, and then you get a great payoff at the end. It's 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 probably my favorite foreign. It might close to one of my favorite foreign films and. You know, if, if you don't fall in love with Audrey Tattoo in that movie, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, she's just so enchanting in that film. Son, what's a movie that makes you feel happy? Stranger Than Fiction. I know that title. It's uh, the movie with, um, what's his name, Will Farrow, where he can hear um, Emma Thompson's narration in his head. Oh, right, right, right. He's, he, he realizes not he's the subject of a, of a novel that she's writing, and she always writes tragedies. So he figures at the end of the story, he's going to die. And so the, the entire story is him trying to get out of the novel, trying to get her to stop writing the novel. But it's a really great story. Oh um, gosh, have I right. never heard of this? It's, I don't know. Uh, it was under the radar. It came out in the fall, and it was it's under the radar. Fan. Oh, it's recent. Fantastic. Yeah, it's not. It's like mid two thousands, but it's fantastic. One of Farrell's better movies, too. Yeah, and it's got it's got this amazing. The conclusion of the film, um, excuse me, the conclusion that the character comes to is just one of the it's just one of the great moments for me in movies. Like that, his his rationale for it, you know, and then and then in turn the conclusion of the movie, the rationale that the other characters make around it of the film is just, it was just one of those things. It just hits the right note um, perfectly. Um, and also Dustin Hoffman is amazing in the film. He's fantastic. So it's a good film. It's a really good film. So it, that mov- movie makes me happy. I won't tell you if it has a happy or sad ending. It's a, it's a pretty heavy ending, but it won't tell you if it's happy or sad. I just looked up the guy who directed Stranger mm-hmm. Than Fiction. Holy yeah, shit. Mark Forster. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got a pretty Kite, good resume. Kite Runner, Quantum of yep. Solace, World War Z, Christopher Robin. Didn't he do Monsters, Monsters Ball? Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland. Yeah, so it, guys I'm got telling some, you, serious I'm telling work you, Stranger Than Fiction lives up to those movies. Yeah. It does. It's really good. Wow. And it's got a cast. It's nice. got Emma Thompson in it, I Will Farrell, uh, Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal. Queen Latifah, like it's got, a, and Dustin Hoffman's got a ton of people in it. It's even got like like yeah, Tom Hulse from uh, Amadeus, like one of the only other movies I've ever oh, seen wow. him in. <laughs> Number sixteen, a film that is personal to you. This is one of those super vague questions because um, honestly, you could take that any way you want. I chose Alien, the original by Ridley Scott. It goes back and forth with uh, my my favorite film of all time, um, uh, with Platoon. It's personal to me because it was the, you know, my, I, I talked my mother into taking me to see this in the theater when I was 11 years old based on uh, a comic book that had been done, uh, an adaptation of the film. Uh, 
and it's the movie that really, you know, I had subscribed to Starlog uh, for years and Fangoria was always regular reading. So I was, you know, I was well-versed in the worlds of, of science fiction, horror, filmmaking and, and special effects and all that. So I'm, I knew that none of it was real. So it was never a question of, you know, she was never worried about me going to have nightmares or, you know, Oh my God. Oh, it's, I, I knew what was real and what was how old were you? But 11. And that's a, that's a, that's a pretty hefty movie for an 11 year old. Oh yeah. Um, I don't, you know, and especially, you know, now I would argue 11 year olds are further on the curve than 11 year olds were when I was growing up in 1979, obviously for, you know, internet and every other reason that film will always hold a favored spot in my, uh, my film viewing journey, uh, simply for that fact, I'm, I, you know, it's always going to be an extremely happy memory for me. And it's always going to be a point at which, you know, as I, I got to see, you know, my, my, my arguably one of my favorite film in the theater first run. Um, with and you know, that's with my mom, you know, who was, who was, you know, growing up, my mom was a big, a big fan of all those crazy fifties sci-fi movies and, and horror films like them and earth versus flying saucers. Um, she loved the old universal monsters films. So it's like when they would show up on a Saturday or a Sunday or something, she would be like, Hey, you need, you should watch this. This this is, this is one you need to see. And so she would like point out certain ones that were like keys. Like I saw them when I was probably, probably 10 or under she had me watch them on TV, uh, which is the giant ants, uh, movie. And it's just, it's always going to hold a special place. Um, that's why it's personal to me. Latham. Mine is the breakfast club. Um, when it came out in 85, I think. Yeah. 85, 84, 85. I think it's 84. I got to know because I got to. It was 84. It was 84, but it was late 84, I think. Right. I was in my teens and I couldn't see it. It was rated R. And then it came to Barrington square six by my house. February 85. Yeah. It was 85. Yeah. yeah. It came there and uh, we snuck in and <laughs> I was just, I was just like, you know, the movie was in my wheelhouse. I, I'm an eighties kid and, and it just hit me uh, right in the heart. And it's the movie I want to like show to everyone who hasn't seen it. And I'm like waiting for this moment to show it to my daughter when she's, when I feel she's old enough to a, be able to watch it, you know, for appropriate age and then B to take in the themes of it. And oh, there's uh, no nudity in that. What, what do you think she's not ready there's, for? There's some sexual dialogue in it. I think okay. that's kind of, yeah. If you to ask me, if you to ask me straight out, if, if breakfast club is rated R, I would have said, fuck no, it's not rated R. I, I totally forgot that that was rated R. It's, it it's barely rated R, but there's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he I, starts talking about... When Judd Nelson starts talking to Molly Ringwald about... Uh, uh, under the shirt, oh, yeah, over exactly. the bra. That's, that's, it's it's right there on the border, but... <laughs> but my daughter's close, and I, and, and it's going to... I just love showing that movie to anyone... And, uh, who hasn't seen it. And I just think it's, it's the timepiece from the eighties and one of the best eighties films by far. 
I, I, I agree. That's a, that's a, that's a great choice. Hassan. Why are you, what are you laughing about? I'm wondering if I should tell you the story. <laughs> oh God. Nah. About, about what? Pleasant. Um, <laughs> I just remember, I saw a breakfast club at my cousin's house in his, in, um, in their mother's room. We were hanging out. My, it was a bunch of us. And we were watching, we watched the breakfast club. We were like, what is white kids whining about? It was like the whole movie. <laughs> the whole movie. Like, Can you imagine if they remade that like with all no, African-American no. actors? Oh, my God, I mean, they should. be a hard R. Well, they're doing planes, trains, and automobiles yeah, with yeah, two yeah. African-American actors. So um, breakfast clubs. Actually, no, but like later, like that became a... I don't know. I had a I had a really strong like '80s nostalgia period when I ended up watching that movie again. It's like if, it's a really seminal movie. Like it, it's really hard to um, yeah, it's hard to encapsulate how kind of important that movie is for you know for a lot of people. So I don't mock it, but I just remember us like what is what are these kids like what? It's That's very funny. white. It's a very like, white. Who movie goes to a school with a library that big? You know, that was so funny. <laughs> Bunch of stuff. I, like, who has detention on Saturday? That's another thing. Like you would have, you would have right. never got. We would have had detention for the rest of our lives because no one would have went. <laughs> Hassan, at least they made the janitor white. And yeah, the jan- janitor was skanky, <laughs> skanky from uh, Forever Night. That's that's that guy, for, yeah. John yeah. Capolos. Yeah, and uh, Paul Gleason from. Uh, oh yeah. From Die Hard and a bunch of other things. You want to see? You want to see a joke? Come back and see Bender in ten years. That that'll be a joke. Yeah, I think we're gonna need some more FBI <laughs> yeah. guys. I mean, it's never talked about, but he's. I mean, he is kind of the glue of that movie. The way and he I've, plays. I've that had role. I had a teacher just, just like that guy. The Bender character. No, um, no, uh, Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason. Oh, oh, oh. Because the other five outperform their age and their you know their. You know, I think they're they're all brilliant, but he's, I mean, if his character isn't yeah. right or too comical or not balanced, it doesn't work as well. Yeah, and he's then like, he gets great. his down dressing from from Capelos later, which is a great scene. It's like, yeah, you guys, you guys yep, think that you're right, so hot, right. you know, and then we, I clean up your garbage. I know everything about you, but um, yeah, it's that's a brilliant yeah. scene in that movie. That's great. Uh, my film, your personal, your personal is film, Joe versus Volcano. I knew uh, that was going to come up sooner greatest, or later. Greatest film ever made. My favorite film of all time. Greatest what? It's one of the greatest films ever made. What? It's my favorite film of all time. Joe yeah. versus the Volcano? Why? Wow. Did you get Meg Ryan? La- very, very difficult to explain this film. It's, it's just about this person who is like pretty much a decent person, but lost. But it's just it, the, in the way it, the way it depicts his being lost or the, the the way it kind of goes through his journey is one of the most unique like uh like dramas that you'd ever see because it's not really like this gut-wrenching uh because his story is kind of sad the guy was a fireman and he went he went through so many harrowing experiences that he became a hypochondriac and he couldn't be a fireman anymore because he started to become paranoid and then so he takes a dead-end job somewhere and then finds out because he's so hypochondriacal, he keeps going to doctors and he finds out that he's going to die. Yep. So, I mean, you, if I told you that story, 
if I, if I explain that, that movie to you uh, verbally, you'd have a completely different picture of what the movie is about than when you watched it. But then when you watch the film, you're like, this is kind of sad, but this is kind of a great way to depict a sad story. Mm-hmm. So, and then, the, and then there's a lot of funny shit in it, but I mean, it's uniquely funny <laughs> to me. Um, Which is your favorite Meg Ryan? No, yeah, the, the last one. I love the, 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 the final one, Rebecca. Oh, the blonde one? Patricia. Patricia is the, the, yeah. Well, she was a better character than the other two. She had it right. more together than everybody else. I just like her with red hair. I had no idea you had the red hair thing. Oh, yeah. yeah who doesn't? Yeah. I fucking I hate, hate, I hate redheads. Wow. Uh, most people I know don't, don't. Deirdre? More depressing than delivery. Not really. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> a film that's personal to you. Okay, I chose The Wizard of Oz. And nice. that is because, first of all, it's a classic, awesome movie. And I remember watching it on TV every year. I thought it was around Easter time, right? And on TV? No, Easter is Easter is usually Ten Commandments. I always thought Wizard of Oz was uh, Thanksgiving. I thought it was. But I could, yeah, I could be wrong. The other way around. Because I remember usually watching Ten Commandments during Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. It's possible. So we used to watch that every year, and it was just fabulous because uh, it was so fun to watch. It was so innocent, but kind of scary, but you, they conquered all of their tasks. And also, when I was in elementary school... I was a munchkin in the high school play of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, my goodness. That, uh, so I know all of the munchkin I, songs. I think that might be the hardest movie to try and find someone who has never seen it. Yeah, that's a tough Everyone. one. And this says uh, that the amazing thing, what year was it released? 1939. It wasn't shown on TV until... Uh, 1956, and then the original broadcast occurred in the autumn between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, okay. See, there you go. There's a whole Wikipedia page on not The Wizard of Oz, but The Wizard of Oz on television. That's funny. Well, it's pretty interesting, and you can read it on your own. (laughs) There you go. Number 17, favorite film sequel. This was a no-brainer for me. Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Hands down. I don't even, I don't, I don't. I don't even need to explain this. Uh, anybody who knows me will understand why this movie is it. You know, it's been it's come up in conversation on on previous episodes of our show. It's it's pretty close to uh, you're ever going to find to the do a perfect film for me for a lot of people. Uh, this is a movie that I can watch. Uh, this is one of those that I can turn on at any moment of the film and just continue watching it right on through or. Yep turn it off and, and move on my merry business. I, I will, I will consume any portion of this film at any given time. Uh, it is, it is beautiful. It is never boring. You're always, you're never more than a few minutes away from an important scene in the film. He doesn't travel a long time between checkpoints on that, on that storyline. So there's always something important happening in that movie uh, to keep you engaged. Uh, it's just, 
it's it's magnificent for him to come back for him to come back 20 years after uh the last time he'd visited that world and deliver this uh as as the latest in a, in a series is just uh, amazing absolutely amazing um Hassan oh. <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back is the greatest sequel it's ever. It, it, no, no score is better. No, to a scene. no, that is probably the best score that John Williams has ever done, in my opinion. It's one of the for a scene for sure, for sure. Deirdre, favorite film sequel. First of all, I'd like to say that I applaud your. Uh, musical interlude <laughs> setup. <laughs> okay. Um, and I had as my favorite sequel, um, Mad Max Fury Road. Wow, nice. Oh, well, you two are just buddies then, aren't you? <laughs> you might that's one of the maybe. few movies that you do realize that ugly can be pretty. There's a lot of really disturbing imagery in there that's done so well that it's actually that's actually very pretty. So, and then of course the fucking hurricane in the middle of the day in that sandstorm, you know, that's an amazing sequence. I remember seeing that movie with Charles, and uh, during that sequence, I looked over at him and he he had his he was his mouth was gaping open. He was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, Man, it sounds it's It sounds like we're that we're we're. That you may be that you may be switching no, gears no. here. That maybe you're going to say that that maybe Mad Max Fury Road it is, is your not. It is well. not, but okay. it's it's a fantastic right. okay. film. It's not you know I'm not going to take anything away from it. Any specific reasons why that's your choice, dear, or just you like it? Um, I it. I just really liked oh, it, and man. like you said, I could watch it anytime it's on, and I I love the imagery, and I love that. Of course, there's, you know, female power. And <laughs> I just thought it was an awesome, fun, interesting, cool movie to watch. Fair enough. Lay, favorite sequel? Well, if you guys are going to be buddies, then me and Hassan are going to be buddies, okay? <laughs> okay. Fire Strikes Back. It's the closest thing to mythology out of film that there is. That's it. I don't even need to. I don't even. I don't need to explain the Empire Strikes Back to anyone listening. If you've never heard of the movie, you've got <laughs> <other> problems. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though, that we all had. Uh, we all chose the the same movie as somebody else. Yeah, it's the sign on this list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question eighteen: A film that stars your favorite actor or actress. Uh, I don't have one particular if that's tough because i don't have one particular actor or actress who i hold sort of above all others okay so what i did is i picked a movie that contains one of my favorite actors uh who excels in it uh the actor is billy crudup uh and the movie is almost famous i i like any any time i get to watch billy crudup in a movie i'm ecstatic um Except i think he blue. is a i when he's a glowing blue guy come on now pretty he's great as a giant blue schlong um but uh you know from his from his smaller role in uh in you know the recent spotlight 
to you know lead roles like obviously almost famous uh, or playing Steve Prefontaine in uh, Beyond Limits. Uh, this is just uh, he is a, an amazing guy. Uh, Big Fish. He was in Tim Burton's Big Fish. Never saw um, that. Never I, that one. I I I could have picked any one of these films that that he's you know that this but almost famous beyond Patrick Fugit he really carries that movie as the as the leader of the band that is you know the core of what Patrick Fugit is trying to report on in that movie um yeah that's that that's my that's my guy so uh Deirdre I also don't have one favorite but one of my favorites is uh, Tom Hanks. So I chose Saving Private Ryan. Very nice. That's a good, good you know, movie. And he's it. just growing up, he was always in like corny comedies and whatnot. And then when he started to do more serious films, I thought this was really awesome because he was like a normal person, you know, in that was thrown into war and he held it up really well. Tom Hanks reminded me of Ed in that movie. It was very Ed. Ed? Yeah. Ed, Ed Dupree. Because he was like very oh, to the point, like this is what Funny. we have to do. Everybody. Come on. That's the, the scene where he, where they find Ryan and Ryan refuses to go with them. And Tom Hanks is just like, okay. <laughs> he just, he just weathers it. That just reminded me of Ed. That's Ed's reaction to, to pretty much all heavy stimuli. He's, all right. I love Ed. I loved how he was like, no nonsense, just. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is I'd love to say that that's Hanks's greatest performance. Nope. It, but it was, uh, it that's, was, it was uh, Joe first of Volcano. But that's really, that, <laughs> that's really hard because, I mean, he is he is so good across a range of different kinds of films that are hard to quantify with one another that, you know, I might say that that's his best performance in a drama. Philadelphia is pretty tough. Did you see, uh, did you see Greyhound? I haven't watched Greyhound yet, but like, but like even like road to Captain Phillips too. Yeah. Road Road to perdition. I mean, the guy, the, I mean, I, I just going through his, I mean, he's been in mediocre films, but it's never because of him that the exactly. film is mediocre. Exactly. I mean, Green I, I, he might, he might, he might currently be our, 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 our greatest living actor right now. Someone, someone said Probably. he was, uh, he's the most, uh, really good. Forgot who they described him as. Um, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. He was a modern day Jimmy Stewart. I've heard, yeah, I've heard something along those lines before. It's uh, I, I. He's just such a good person. He's so I, good. I, I would say that Tom Hanks has a wider range than Jimmy Stewart did. I, I he, I'd say he's yeah, more, more, well, multi, more multifaceted. Yeah, but I, I guess they're talking yeah. about his just affability. You know, like he just no, slides into that. every role, and you're like, yeah, that's exactly yes. who that guy would be. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's that's him. That's Sully. You know, right. that's 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 how kind of how I feel about <laughs> Brad Pitt. I feel like whenever I'm watching Brad Pitt in a movie, I never feel like I'm watching Brad Pitt. I always feel like I'm watching whoever he's supposed to be. I don't ever yeah. feel like he's not the character. But uh, Latham? Uh, well, I did an actor and an actress. Um, okay. I did, uh, quickly, I did for uh, my favorite actors, probably Harrison Ford. So I did Witness. 
which I think is, hmm. uh, well, it is the only role he was nominated for Best Actor for, Academy Award. Ah, that's crazy. Whatever, whatever that's worth. But uh, it's it, it, it's if you've never seen Harrison Ford be a different type of character, that's the movie to check More out. More than Regarding it's Henry? Movie. And, and a great movie. Oh, yeah, regarding Henry, Henry is good. Yeah, I mean, that's a good that's a good choice, too. I just think Witnesses, there's some stuff at the end when things are going bad where he's really, really good. I haven't seen that in so long. Um, yeah, it's an awesome movie. Um, and uh, the girl, uh, the actress would be Kate Winslet and mm. uh, I think, uh, Heavenly Creatures, uh, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Uh, masterpiece of uh, just yeah. a unique film. Unique, unique film with scenes of horror scenes of joy scenes of everything it's mixed genre film it's great and so bizarre considering it came on the heels of dead alive exactly yeah you know for He's anyone like, anyone hey, who'd see movies too guys what do you want me to direct oh you want me to direct this okay i'll direct this Here we go. <laughs> thanks i'll now take the entire tolkien library see you guys in five years oh don't don't forget the highly underrated frighteners uh i don't like that movie Oh really? Not, not because of him. Not because of yeah. him. I just like the script. Oh, he gets okay. directed very well. Is that the um, Michael J. Fox movie? Yes. Yes. It was. Yep. I thought that was Michael pretty Michael. good. I thought it was going to be was really yeah. stupid when I saw it, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Lathan's yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> not usually, but wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. Uh, Hassan. To find out where it was, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, Dance of a Wolf. The That's cause. That's my brother's favorite movie. Now that that means anything, it is. It but. is the Koss's best movie, which is why it is. It is the choice of movies because and which is tough because he directs yes, himself, which is very difficult. But were you picking this on Costner's yeah, or but open? Yeah. But uh, yeah. was it Open Range? The other one he did with uh, that yes. one's an amazing movie. But that's that comes. I saw that not. I just saw that recently for the first time, all the way through, and I, I really enjoyed that. It was good stuff. And Hark, it really reminded me of the of some of the old Eastwood yes. westerns. It's a very good film in a in a in a major way. I, d- I dug that. Yeah, yeah. I like Dances with Wolves a lot. I remember seeing that in the theater and just being and being blown away. I was just like, this is kind of an you know it's a three-hour movie you go in with certain expectations I mean you you, you know all of a sudden and that it's ain't like, even the extended you know, cut <laughs> right right and and all of a sudden the, the lights are coming up and you're like holy shit that was that was a that was a fucking movie man holy crap <laughs> um a little bit long but yeah um whatever later. all right so uh all right so uh question 19 a film made by your favorite director again I don't have one specific favorite director. I have I have a small group of directors whose bodies of works I can kind of default to. So I decided to choose one of those and pick David Fincher. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I and I and I and I put and I picked seven. It's my it's my favorite David Fincher film. It's just it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a for me it's a perfect film. It's uh, there is you know it, that year nineteen ninety six. There were a bunch of great movies that came out. <clears throat> And I just, I'll always remember Seven. The, the experience I had watching Seven the first time is just, you know, everything start to finish, you know, from from the moment that, you know, you know, Kevin Spacey shows up and, you know, declares that, you know, he's the guy and, you know, to, to what's in the box, you know, it's just, and then that great, that great coda with, with, uh, 
Morgan Freeman. I'll be around. Just, I, I just perfect. I agree with this. I agree with the first part. I agree with the. First My mom part. went to see that movie, and she came home. This and I said, "Did she seven? And she was like, "Yeah." <laughs> that was her reaction. To it. <laughs> like, and Steve is uh, Steve is right. There were a lot of great movies that came out in 1996, but uh, Seven was not one of them, unfortunately. <clears throat> really? Yeah. What was it? 95. 95. Hmm. You were close. I mean, you know, it was a horror. When did, when it, when in 95 did it come out? Uh, somewhere between January and December. All right, smartass. Well, I, I don't know when it came out. It came out. We saw it together. So. It says the fucking release date on IMDb. Oh, uh, I'm it came out in right September. Now. Okay. September 22nd, actually. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. Anyway. Okay. I'm surprised no one's picked that film yet for us to discuss on the show. I'm waiting for it. I'm sure. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right. Uh, favorite director film line for me. Uh, obviously Spielberg's my favorite. Um, so I went with his, technically his first film, even though he did a, a TV movie before it. Uh, Sugarland? Uh, uh, Sugarland Express, which is, it's interesting because if you are a Spielberg fan, you probably don't see that movie first. You see it after you discover him and want to check out all his work and you watch it later down the line and you're expecting it to be a downgrade from all his blockbusters that you love but uh it's a it's a four-star movie it's a perfectly crafted story really some scenes hard to handle for an for a director early in their career and it's it's well done william it's william atherton's best performance too by far wow angled one of goldie hahn's best movies too so that's dual sugarland express and then jaws right correct okay hassan this one was kind of tough uh i picked I'll go with David Fincher's uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Oh, okay. Even though I did like the Swedish version a lot, but his his was just really stylized. A lot of it was cut out. Like, it was really altered. The whole story was really altered for David Fincher's, but it still was stylistically gorgeous. I couldn't pick between the yeah. Spielberg ones because I, I like every one of his movies, so I couldn't pick a favorite movie from Spielberg. So... I don't dislike any of his movies. That's that's a good point. I mean, it's hard to pick his yeah. worst one. Um, yeah, it's a great point. So I pick, you know, I do have favorites from Fincher's library, and I do have favorites from Ridley Scott's because sure. I've, there's, Ridley Scott's made some stinkers. Uh, well, I wouldn't call them stinkers, but they're not as good. Um, yes. like, uh, like Robin Hood, I didn't think was that great. And a, a couple of others. Sometimes he's... I don't think he ever misses, but he doesn't hit as hard as some of his other films. Legend. No, I liked Legend. How dare you? Love How Legend. dare you? Yeah. How especially dare the, you, especially sir? Especially the extended version of movie. Legend. All that drippy double oh, or Lord. whatever the fuck. Anyway. Oh, just a oh, fucking... Man. Love I don't that. like that fucking... Deirdre? <laughs> um, I went with Martin Scorsese, and I chose Goodfellas. It's pronounced Scorsese. Yeah. And <laughs> that's from another movie. And if you could name the movie that's from, ever, <laughs> I can never ever make anything with spaghetti sauce without thinking of Goodfellas. Oh man, just keep stirring, yeah. just keep, keep stirring, stirring. <laughs> keep stirring. 
Just keep stirring. Every time. I think it's his best film. It's a good choice, dear. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's that one wins. So, so number twenty, a film that changed your life. Yeah. So this was this was another a pretty vague uh, question to throw out. Um, I, I the movie I picked changed my life in the way that it changed the way I viewed film and filmmaking. So that was the reason that I chose it. The film is To Live and Die in L.A. from William Friedkin. Uh, and I'd never seen a movie before. It came out in 1985. Um, so I was 17. I'd never seen a film before where your lead character gets killed 20 minutes before the end of the movie. And I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I had never seen that before. Well, um, it was just... It, it, <laughs> scratch that movie. <laughs> Why? Just go fucking watch I've it. I've never dude. seen it. You just get, you just you just you just oh, spoiled no. it. It's no, the, it, you have to, no, you didn't. No, it's, it doesn't spoil it. That, that thing part. that happened was a spoiler only in the fact that that's the thing that affected me at that time in my life. Knowing a character dies in a movie, yes, it's a spoiler, but it doesn't affect everything else that's involved in that film. I never um, saw it. Got, so can we watch it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's got arguably, not even arguably, it's got one of the single greatest car chases ever put on film. Uh, you know, I, I put it right up there next to Bullet and Ronan as far as uh, physically filmed car chases. And never, it, it very rarely gets talked about unless you see a, a, a film, a, a list of, of car chase things done on a, a real cinephiles site. Then it's usually listed. It doesn't. It doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk that film, uh, and I, I think it's uh, one of one of Freakin's best. But um, anyway, don't forget the soundtrack. Great fucking soundtrack. Uh, Living down in LA, Wang Chung soundtrack is is perfect for that film. Perfect. I, Hassan, uh, that's kind of tough. No, no film really ever changed my life. I don't think. I would say New Hope because it stopped me from wanting to be a train conductor and from wanting to be a writer. Um, Interesting. Because I was really like fanatically into trains and I wanted, I thought I wanted to be a conductor. Granted, I was four, so I probably would have changed my mind eventually. <laughs> but wait, when did the astronaut thing come along? That's not after Star Wars, after A New Hope, like after oh, okay. watching okay. Vader eviscerate a whole bunch of people. I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, maybe yeah this be is answer. way better. This is a way better way to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a tough question. It's a weird vagary question. Uh, Deirdre? It definitely is a weird question. And I'm going to say that I don't really know of any movie that has changed my life. But um, one that I really liked that um, added different perspectives and fun and interest to my life I thought was Big Fish. I really liked it because it had a lot of reality reality versus imagination and it had a lot of um, interesting dynamics between the relationships between the son and the father and the father and the his wife and the father and his friends and the blur between what was real, what wasn't real. And 
just having fun with life and making the most of everything and just grabbing these awesome stories and holding on to them. And I just thought it was really fun and interesting and different. I'm a huge fan of, of that Tim Burton film. Uh, I've, you know, I've got, I'm a sucker for, I'm a, I'm a sucker for films that focus on the relationships between fathers and sons. Same reason why I love road to perdition. Uh, That's a a huge father son film. Yeah. Big, big fish is, is uh, yeah. That's everything you said a hundred percent. I love how, you know, when you get to the end and, all the people from all these stories, his father is told all these fantastical stories are all there in a fashion. Yeah. You know, it's like, I get, I understand how, you know, I get where my dad came up with all this stuff, you know, how he told these stories, you know, and that whole relates that the whole relationship between him and Albert Finney and that is just, And how he goes Um, from the beginning of his relationship with his dad and he goes through the the whole journey to the end where his relationship is completely different. Yeah. Latham? This one was easy for me um, because I went to film school, graduated from film school and never did anything with film. And the re- main reason why was I realized it was it just cost too much money to make anything and I had no outlets or ways to do it. And I gave up. And then I watched this movie and realized you can make a minimalistic film and succeed on one of the highest levels there is. And this is what you've been waiting for, Steve. This is uh, what you call it primer. I still call it primer. I don't know which one it is, but it's a um, it's a $7,000 budgeted film. And it's an hour and 15 minutes long, and it's just pure minimalistic brilliance. And uh, it literally was one of the reasons and the basis for how I plotted my two film miniseries that I made eventually. I thought, if you don't have a lot of money, the story is everything that matters, and everything else gets built around it. And that's, uh, that's why it, it influenced my life. I just wish it would have influenced you in the matter of you keeping the film at, you know, an hour and 18 minutes. Yep. That's funny and correct. <laughs> Not five and a half hours. <laughs> uh, the new one's only four eighteens. So oh. That's a little fantastic. <laughs> um, number. Uh, so question 21, a film you dozed off in. Uh, it took me a while to remember. Occasionally I will doze off in horror films. I can list a few for you. I know. No, thank you. I appreciate that, dear. <laughs> uh, but the main film I remember dozing off in was Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick. Oh. I just, I, you know, this was one of those films where it's, it's like, this is always high on, on film, film people's lists of films to see and importance yep. and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I, I went out and I got it and I, I threw it in and it, 15 minutes I was out. I was out cold. Like watching a painting. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great explanation. Yeah. Deirdre. Okay. I know some of you are going to get annoyed with me at this, but (laughs) I have dozed off more than once trying to watch Lord of the Rings. Good night, Deirdre. (laughs) (laughs) So long. (laughs) 
one, Deirdre. <laughs> Classify it at least for Christ's sake. The first one, fellowship. <laughs> She's never made it past it. That's brutal. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It happened at least hey. twice. Hobbit narcolepsy. Hey, listen, my sister's never made it through Star Wars, so. Oh, boy. That's grounds for, like, I don't know, execution by firing squad not, or something. Not her cup of tea. Maybe I was uh, just Latham? really, really tired those two times, but. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll try it again. <laughs> um, uh, mine's easy. I remember it, even though it was something from my uh, uh, early adulthood, late youth. Uh, uh, Town and Country Mall uh, went to see the movie <laughs> by myself, The Russia House, oh. uh, with Sean Connery. <laughs> yep. And I remember being like, wow, this is fucking boring ads movie. And I dozed off at some point for maybe a minute or 30 seconds, but I definitely dozed off because I made myself rent it when it came out to show that I actually did see the movie completely because I knew I had dozed off. <laughs> not a bad movie. It's just really, really quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so warm in the theater. It may have been. It may have been. <laughs> I may have been bundled up. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the winter when that, I don't know. I don't remember. When it <laughs> it's winter in the movie. I know that. Uh, Asan? He does stuff during this. Yeah. No, he's doing something on his phone. I went to see uh, Get Him to the Greek and I fell asleep. Oh, wow. Phone. Oh, really? Like, okay. Like, I fell asleep. Yeah. Like, because I had pulled a double shift. This is when I was working at yeah. the movie theater and I pulled a double shift and I, and I just, and I went to go see it for free, but I, I saw maybe five. <laughs> and you got that much out of it. <laughs> yeah. I think I've since seen it and it was okay. But I mean, I just, I, I notoriously remember waking up while the credits were rolling and went, this is the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. So um, number 22, a film that made you angry. This was, th this mm -hmm. was an interesting, mm -hmm. an interesting choice. Uh, it took me, there's only been a couple pieces of media I've ever consumed that truly made me angry. Uh, and one is actually, a book that this movie used as source material. So that's how I kind of made the connection. Uh, the film is Paradise Lost by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky, which is the first of a trilogy of films that chronicles the story of the West Memphis Three. Reading, reading Mara Leverett's book, The Devil's Knot, I was, I was on a vacation and I was reading the book and I remember finishing it sitting next to a pool. I, cl I finished the book and I was so angry at the state of Arkansas that I vowed to never go to support or connect anything in my life ever again uh, to the state of Arkansas or anybody from Arkansas. I just, I, I, wow. it's made me so furious reading that, reading that story. And, you know, and obviously when I found out stuff a lot later, um, you know, and as this, as the story went on, you know, it's just, everything just reinforced that it was just the, the absolute level of disrespect of law and justice that was done uh, to these three kids because of the death of three other children is, is oh, this, this is the West a, Memphis three. Yeah. I know that kid. 
a friend of uh, a friend of mine is is she grew up in she uh, man that's a long story but I actually met him um, met one of them after they were exonerated he lives here in New York um, yeah he did he, he yes he's an he artist not anymore a, but yeah art gallery I I went to one of his uh, yeah. one of his showings down in uh, down oh, in wow. the village I went with my friend Courtney who is a who is another bassist I met her while we were doing a show. And so Damian I went Eccles. to get, she, she knew the kid growing yeah. up. Yeah. She knew the kid growing up. So I actually oh, that's met awesome. him. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he stopped painting because his eyes are so bad. He had his, am, yeah. his, his eyes got really badly damaged uh, while he was in prison. And uh, he, he got out and he painted for what, eight or 10 years, I think. And it was just like last year, he, he basically said he's, he's no longer creating artwork anymore. How, how did they get damaged? Uh, just, um, I don't know. I don't know this. I don't know the story about, but I, his eyesight is just really poor now. So, and I don't think they can correct it. Right. It's so that, yeah. So that's, that's the movie that made me angry. Uh, Latham. Uh, I'll go and uh, now I'll go with this one. Uh, I, I really should be no shortage of film. Six ring samurai. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's more just, it's hard to get oh. angry at, wanton stupidity well actually no it's um i i was gonna go the religious angle here but i'll go i'll go a different angle Uh, i really dislike django unchained and i think the movie is just i I don't i don't know how to classify it I, i i know tarantino isn't a racist but there's stuff in that movie that just makes me feel like he thinks he can put, you know, as an artist, he can put whatever he wants on screen, but he can get away with it without anyone challenging him on it. And that, I mean, as the movie went on, I just, it just kept making me more angry, more angry. And by the time it was over, I, I kind of wrote him off as a filmmaker. That's how, that's how mad it made me. Wow. Okay. I do not, do not like that film at all. I think it's garbage. Hassan? I wrote... The fucking fountain. Infuriating oh. <laughs> film. It's just, a, it's, it is the biggest piece of pretentious crap. Is that Aronofsky? Seen. It is okay. absolute, yeah, it's absolute drivel. It made me hate him oh. as a director. Like, I, I've never oh. watched him another one. I've never, I've never seen that. Him. Now, I did see Black Swan. I did, end, I did eventually watch yeah. Black Swan, but I, it Good, didn't, overrated. it, it, it didn't change my my complete ambivalence towards okay. the guy it's it's just the fountain is is just bad and i but it was one of the first films where it just made me angry i do remember vividly being <laughs> furious with the film because it just it just it's pretentious crap and it doesn't even try to explain itself and like i'm like who couldn't make a movie like this who couldn't make a movie that makes absolutely no sense and then try to pass it off as art and then say, oh, you just didn't get it if you didn't understand it. It's like, yeah, I didn't understand it because there's no coherence in the film whatsoever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like Hugh Jackman floating in space in a bubble with a tree for Pretty two much. and a half hours. Much. Go yeah. fuck yourself. It's, it's, oh, a, it's you mean like horrible. Sandra Bullock floating in space <laughs> in her underwear oh, for two no, hours? Because at least bad. you know why Sandra Bullock is in space, even if it's a terrible film which I will not argue with you about. If you don't like it, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. But I'm saying you don't even know why Hugh Jackman is in a bubble with a tree for two and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah, I 
I, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. And do not even fucking come near me saying I didn't warn you. Okay. Don't say it. I'm telling you, it's crap. It's a waste of two uh, hours. Okay. Also, Rachel Weiss, but that's, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That might be the only good part about that movie. Uh, Deirdre. Oh. Okay. Um, I feel like there should be many films that have made me angry. And this is probably the dumbest one <laughs> that made me angry. Oh, boy. But <laughs> Step Brothers. <laughs> Happy Feet. Oh, yes. I hated Happy Feet because it just, it made me angry because it made me feel awful to be a human being. And I love penguins and it just made me feel awful. And it, it, it was just terrible. It made me angry. That's a, that's an extremely tough scene. You're you're a hundred percent correct. I I didn't I didn't write the movie off the way you did because of that sequence, but I, I absolutely understand how you feel about that. I know it was supposed to be like a big uplifting, like hey yeah, happy penguins singing and dancing, whatever. <laughs> but it was just then they threw all this like yeah. reality penguin in a hey, and also. As I have pointed out several times, penguins are constantly being taken out on field trips, by the way, to the museums and walk around the zoo and whatnot in real life. So they're happy. They don't just need to dance. They don't just need to dance. Okay. All right. So (laughs) question 23, a film made by a director that is dead. Well, this is uh, this is a pretty wide ranging, uh, and uh, you know, you think you could just pick pretty much anything. Uh, I chose The Searchers by John Ford because uh, I really, ever since I finally got around to seeing it, I I absolutely love that movie. Uh, Deirdre, not a big fan of westerns, but me am a big fan of westerns, and that is near the near the top of uh, great westerns. So. That's my pick. I'm sticking to it. Hassan? Yeah, there's another one where this too. I would say, here's, okay. here's a question. Was the, was the director supposed to have been dead the first time you saw the film? I don't or think it that's relevant. Matter? I think he's just, if he's dead now. So my, my number one would be Ronin by uh, okay. Frankenheimer. That was good. It's a great movie. a great film. And that, that really, yeah, I love it. Deirdre, a film made by a director that's dead. All right. I'm not really up on directors, but I chose uh, The Shining. Yep, Kubrick's dead. (laughs) Yeah, because I knew Kubrick was dead, and I like The Shining. Good call. Latham? Uh, I'm going with uh, Blow Up by Michangelo Antonioni. Okay. Which is a great, um, it's a unique film, and the ending is, the ending will either infuriate you or <laughs> validate everything you've seen before it. And it's obviously it was somewhat remade by De Palma with blow up, but, or with a uh, blowout, but a uh, blow up, I think is a better movie. If you, do you guys know what it's about? Yes. And I don't, I don't think that anyone would dispute that with you who's seen both film. I wish I'd seen in a theater. So I approach this, I approach this as a film I wish I'd seen in the theater when it came out, as opposed to just because I've seen Deirdre and I have seen a lot of older films in the theater. We've been able to see a lot of things like Wizard of Oz and, 
you know, a lot of the movies from the 30s, 40s, and 50s because we have a, a good revival theater near us that we can go and catch movies on when they do these the Lafayette. The Lafayette theater. Um, so the movie I picked that I wish I would have seen in the theater when it came out uh, is Citizen Kane. Uh, I've, I, I've seen that movie a half dozen times. Uh, I've mentioned before that every single time I watch it, I catch something new. It's still to this day. It just it how well it's put together amazes me and how sort of groundbreaking it was definitely for the time. You know, there's a reason why most people consider it to be the best American film ever made. I don't I don't know if that's true, but uh, that's that's what I would have liked to have seen in the theater. Mm. Uh, I actually saw that in the theater. No, you didn't see it in 1941 when it came out. <laughs> no, I saw it in the last. Yes, I understand that. that. Silly. Deirdre, it was still not theater. I, uh, Deirdre, <laughs> movie you wish you'd seen in the theater? Shawshank Redemption. Wow, you didn't see that in the theater? Oh no! Wow, we did. Me and your good for you. Me and your hubby. I love that movie, and I watch it all the time on TV. I wish I saw it in the theater. The end. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Latham? Well, I'll re-release it sometime. You can go back and see it in the theater. Great. Awkward. In ten more years, it'll be it'll be a classic, and then Lafayette will start playing, and then we'll go see it in the theater. <laughs> when you're 93, you can go there in a plastic bubble and watch it from that fucking thing. Why do I have to be in a plastic bubble, uh, Latham? You're 93. I don't know. This I, one's a good one. Mine, mine is also <laughs> thought of from the perspective of when it came out. Although I've had opportunities to see this in theater, I still haven't. Um, I, I'm going to go with uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. I think that would have been real cool to see for the first time when it. Theater. Oh man, yeah. Okay, Hassan. I already said Highlander. That's one yep. of my choices. I, I never saw. I never got to see it in the theater, but really, more. I wish I had seen the the Usual Suspects in the oh. in the theater. Only because a friend of mine actually spoiled oh, the movie for me before I got to see reason. it. So, so I'll never know if that movie really would have been. Everyone says the movie was amazing. I'll never know if it was amazing because I never got a chance to see the it ending. without, yeah, That's without knowing exactly what's going on. So yeah, don't worry. He oh, I good. made him pay. Um, so. <laughs> number twenty-five: a film you liked that is not set in the current era. Well, this is about as another generic a question that uh, you can come up with. Yeah, these are, and some of these and are I, I ended up uh, going into a truly different era, and I chose Quest for Fire, directed by Jean-Jacques Renaud. <laughs> Javi says nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking great movie, man. Ron Perlman's first film. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Ed from, uh, from Twin Peaks. Isn't that a Everett a, McGill? Everett McGill? Yeah. Yeah. Ray Don Chong. Okay. Yeah. Ray Don Chong. That's... Oh my gosh. What? I forgot that movie existed. It's a fucking great movie, man. Uh, I don't yeah, know if it's, it's a, a great movie. movie but, you know, John Jacquinot's made some great films. The Bear, Quest uh, for Fire, Rattle and Hum. Okay. You're a great one. All right, fine. Whatever. Latham. I'm going to go with uh, uh, the historical sports drama Eight Men Out because it's mm, one of the films that makes me feel the most in the era that it takes place in. Uh, so kudos to whoever uh, pulled that off. I know right. It's John. 
uh, everything, the set decoration, everything about it is, and it's one of my favorite sports movies. So. Okay. Hassan? Uh, Miller's Crossing. Ooh, good call. Which is a Coen Brothers movie. It's got uh, Gabriel Byrne in it, and uh, my God, so my, uh, Marsha Gay Harden, Finney. and Albert Finney, and uh, uh, John Turturro, and Jesus. Keep going. Everybody. It's, the, yeah. um, it's my favorite Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing film. And it I remember seeing it when it first came out and it was a you know it was a big deal when it first came to cable. And then it just kind of vanished. It fell off the radar. And I actually had to go looking for it, you know, to find it again. And I couldn't find it and I couldn't find it. And I couldn't find it for the longest time and then a couple of maybe 10 years ago, I came across it. They had just um they just re-released it on DVD, mm. and so I re—I was able to reacquaint myself with it, and it was—it was every bit as amazing as it was the first time I what saw hot. it. What hot! <laughs> yeah. I used to know the order of. All- Look into your heart. Look into your Look heart. Look into your heart, Tommy. <laughs> the order of what? The order of the Coen Brothers movies as they came out. I'd always see them first run. I think it was Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing. Yep. yep. Barton Fink, yep. Yep. Hudsucker Proxy. Yep. And, and then after I got to the 2000s, I just, I, I didn't yep. keep up anymore. But Barton oh. Fink's the only one I don't like out of all of them because it's just Which one? weird. Barton it's Fink. Barton Fink. It's oh, great. I love, that's a great flick. Yeah, I, I love that ending. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's great. Uh, Deirdre? I went with uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Not necessarily a big fan of war movies, but some of them. And I really, really liked Andrew the, the story of this one. It was just uh, really interesting, and it was fascinating. To wasn't me. that Mel Gibson? Yes. Okay. Was it? He directed, directed it. Yep. Director, yeah. I really liked it. Yep. It's a good flick. Um, here, so number 26 is another super open ended one film that is adapted from somewhere. I mean, come on. Uh, so, uh, I chose, I chose here to slot in the natural by Barry Levinson adapted from Bernard Malamud's novel. Uh, this is my, uh, this is probably my favorite baseball film, uh, with Moneyball being a close second, but Moneyball I can watch over and over again. The natural I can't watch over and over again. Uh, it hits. Again, it's it's a father and son thing, and it's a little too heavy uh, at points to to watch over and over again for me. But I absolutely love this film. You know, the whole that that the this, the the pinnacle of that film for me is the scene in the locker room when 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 Robert Redford shows up and 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 uh, and Wilfred Brimley is shaving along with. Uh, uh, Richard Farnsworth, Richard Farnsworth. Yeah. And um, I was thinking of the gray Fox, which is who was he played in. And he's in there and he's like, he's talking about how he always should have been a farmer. And, you know, and Robert Redford's just like nothing like a farm. And he's like, we smell this, smell that, this, that. He's like, yeah, my mom always said I should have been a farmer. And he just, Robert Redford just goes, my dad said, I want, my dad wanted me to be a baseball player. <laughs> And Reed just stops and he turns and looks at him and he says, you're the best goddamn player I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's just like, suit up. It's awesome. Love that fucking movie. Uh, Hassan? 
uh, 13th Warrior. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is uh, adapted from Beowulf, um, right. the Scandinavian uh, poem. Deirdre? I choose The Martian. I loved the book. I loved the movie. Fair enough. Latham? Uh, I did. Uh, I, I chose Train Spotting. Uh, which oh, nice. is a very difficult book to. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, phonetically. And, and the movie is brilliant and unique. It's and good. still a good adaptation of that nightmare. I have, I have, I have not read that book. It's very read hard to read. Thing. I've it's read. written. <clears throat> Go ahead, Hassan. It's written in Scottish patois. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very nice. It's, it's a hard it read. It's very difficult to read. Yeah. I haven't read the whole book. I've read parts of it, but I, I've read the story of Drain Spotting and how it was adapted. Yeah. But it's. Well, the, 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 the movie stops like halfway through the book. Correct. You know? Yeah. So and then the, the sequel kind of picks up with a third half of the book. Yep. yep. Uh, Sequel's you know. decent too. It's not a throwaway movie. It's good. No. Interesting. Hmm. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know how I didn't know where Train Spotting 2 came from. I didn't realize it was like the last part of the book. Yeah, they never they never finished adapting the book in and of itself. Oh, they could have made a trilogy out of it if they wanted to, but they just didn't. Gotcha. Um so okay, number 27, a film that is visually striking to you. I chose Blade Runner 2049 uh, mostly because uh, the reason I chose it over Blade Runner uh, was I felt that it took, he did an amazing job of taking that universe, which already existed and expanding upon it and taking advantage of the updates and changes in special effects, cameras, visual effects, everything that was at his disposal to make the, to make that world even more interesting visually uh and just his general his his camera work as far as like the general interior stuff uh and the look of the film and everything uh, uh just absolutely stunning to me but yeah so that's that's why i uh i chose that deirdre okay um this was one of the last ones that i filled in so i know that there was something that I thought was much more visually stimulating, but I chose because I couldn't think of anything else. I chose Sucker Punch. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's not a, bad. That's a fair choice. It is. It is. It was fun to watch, and it was. I thought it was pretty cool. It was interesting and different. Yep. I absolutely will agree with you. That's a uh, that's a good a good choice of visually striking Latham. Uh, I went with the first Blade Runner movie because I think okay. to pull that off in 1982 is pretty uh, pretty amazing, and there's no no drop. You know, you've got the the, the scenes from outside the buildings, which are you know a cl- in a class by themselves, and then you know there's no throwaways on the interiors. They're all brilliant. Uh, they all look brilliant and unique as well. It, it's a complete visual film. Probably the, probably my favorite visual film of all time. Hassan? Sleepy Hollow. One of my favorite visual films. It's uh mostly forced perspective and uh and and uh uh lot filmed uh you know on sets on on, on a sound lot. Yeah. And it's just it, I've never seen anything that stunning. I remember seeing that in the theater and being like kind of crazy about it so still one of my favorites 
Okay. Number 28, a film that made you uncomfortable. I chose oh I chose a movie. Uh, this is the only this is the only horror film I've ever seen that made me physically uncomfortable watching it. It's a movie called Naked Blood from 1996, uh, directed by Hisayasu Sato. And the story Japanese movie. It's a Japanese film, clearly. It that'll do it. It uh, <laughs> and the reasoning and the reason I think I've come to base my thought process on at this now i have not i have not gone back and reviewed this um uh, so i'm i'm definitely want to because deirdre has never seen this so and i might not want to (laughs) (laughs) so the idea is the concept of the film is that uh there's this mother doing genetic research based on uh, i can't remember the, the the exact point of her research but she's she has these female patients I can't remember if she's a if she's a fertility doctor or something. I can't remember. Anyway, her son uh, is brilliant and a and a and a and a bright kind of up and coming scientist on his own. But he's young. He's like I can't remember if he's in like high school or like the first year at college or whatever. And he comes up with a formula for a drug essentially that flip flops the sensory receptors of pain and pleasure. Okay, and he ends up giving it to three women who come into the clinic this day. You then follow these three women home and you then follow what happens to them the rest of the, well, the, essentially for the rest of their lives because they don't last very long because basically what they come to find out is that anything that previously had caused them any sort of pain now causes intense pleasure. One of them is a chef. So you guess where you can kind of guess where that goes. Things start to get <clears throat> cut off, and they don't start with the with the with the meaty bits. They start with the sensitive bits. Okay. One is uh, one is kind of this punk chick who uh, has a has a, her ears pierced a bunch of times, so she starts poking things through her skin. And I can't remember the third girl what her occupation is, but what I've come to under what I've come to what I think is the reason why is they shot some of these sequences in most modern horror. You have the shot where you see the thing coming, you see the thing coming, and then they cut away, and then they cut back, and it's gore. It's a bloodbath or whatever. You, you don't see the actual thing. There are several things done in this film where they never cut away. They just Ugh. You just watch the thing go into or cut off of whatever it's doing and it just sticks with it and it's okay. it's it's brutal my god i didn't i've never even seen this and i want to change my answer to this movie <laughs> <laughs> uh okay well latham you're next okay my choice is easy it's the only movie i've ever seen that uh, i i can't recommend for other people to see uh, unless they're film fans and that's irreversible uh, it's just there's two scenes in this movie that are very difficult to take, and uh, it's hard to watch. They're hard to watch. They're really, really difficult to watch. They're too real. And uh, have you have you only seen it the once? I've seen it. I've seen it three. Yeah, three times. Uh, okay. And uh, it's just it's a brilliant concept. A very visceral movie. 
Uh, it's just there's it, some things in there are too real. They're just way too real. So, is that? that's mine. Well, one of the choices, one of the two choices was Midsummer, but actually the the film that kind of beats it out is The Mothman Prophecies. Really? Yeah, it's just an. Uh, it's not. I mean, it's, it's nothing compared to the movies you guys mentioned, but it just there is unsettling stuff in that movie. I will agree. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to the, especially if you you know, especially if you're just if you're if you kind of think too much about any of it, you know. <laughs> And then, you know, the whole idea of, like, recently deceased people, like, you know, calling you and talking to you and trying yeah. to, you know, it's it's There's it's a lot. stuff in that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was mine. Okay. Just doesn't. I mean, it's, a, it's not a bad. It's a good movie, and I've seen it more than once, so it doesn't disturb me to the point where I can't watch it. But it does. It is very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I've only seen that movie the one time when it came out. Hmm. I have to go back and review that one. Uh, Deirdre? All right. I have two. And the first one is Tusk. (laughs) (laughs) Heard about that movie. Fucking great. It's freaking weird and disgusting and uncomfortable and what the fuck. And the other one is Human Centipede. Because wait, wait. also, what Which the one? fuck? First one? Both of them. I don't care. <laughs> Both of them. No, she, the second one was worse because there were more she people. She the third one with me. There's a third. No, no. I never even seen called? the first one. You shouldn't see any I, of I them. Won't, I won't watch it. Oh, watch it. Just a, nah, <laughs> nah. You got to watch one of them. No, there's only two things I got to do, Steve, and watching the human centipede ain't one of them. So it's a, it's an amazing. <laughs> no, there's nothing amazing triumph. about it except that it's uh, fucking tr- disgusting. We will take your word for it. Now I know I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so from that group of films, we go into question 29, a film that makes you want to fall in love. <laughs> my choice uh is garden state zach braff's debut film i Enjoy. love i love everything about this movie you know we mentioned the soundtrack earlier in the in the show which is just absolutely pitch perfect to this movie it's it's right where, where it's the movie that i really became aware of how awesome peter sarsgaard is it's natalie portman just in a great role for her uh, and Zach Braff, who for most people only knew him from scrubs and seeing him in this kind of movie and directing himself in a debut, just, just a phenomenal job. And yep. I love the story. I love, I love the little bits and pieces and how it all, all ties together. I love how, and, and the reason I, I picked this as for, or why it makes me want to fall in love is because it, it gives you, you know, you think there at the end that it's not going to end right. You know, that, that, you know, as he explains, and then at the end he says, you know what, you know, we just have to see where this goes. We have to, we have to go with it. And that's, that's what you want. You know, that's what you want to, that's what you want to see. Hassan. Uh, film that makes you want to fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. 
Hassan's toughest question. It was so dumb. Um, <laughs> Babe, pig in the city. One of my choices is really strange. Uh, uh, the I thing. Music, <laughs> music and lyrics, uh, which is a great film. Okay. Um, in my oh, opinion. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear from you, Latham. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. You know why? Um, <laughs> why? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Actually, no. She, I, I, I just think it's a... If you're gonna, if you're gonna hold my feet to the fire, I think it's a sweet story. Okay. Um, okay. Now, ironically, when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, which should tell you how wrong so I was like about love. Yeah. How wrong I was about love. When I was in my twenties, the 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 film that most made me want to be in love was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. <laughs> well, because uh, I thought, like, wow. Probably like, not the best approach. Uh, you could, you could, you could, love but, uh, never being dies. Love, it's being it's, that, it's romantic. Being that deeply in love could make you into a supernatural creature. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, that the whole idea of, like, love is so strong that you come back from the grave, you know, or you, you could live, you could make yourself immortal and live until you're the, you're, you're the love of your life is reincarnated. All you got to do is kill really kill every other person in your country. Yeah, I mean, well, that that part was kind of left out of the film. That's not a very <laughs> strong part of the film, right? You know, so all right, know, Deirdre. It's not that that aspect of it wasn't wasn't the desirable. <laughs> yeah, part. It wasn't the forefront. <laughs> no, Deirdre. Stupid question, okay, though. So you know. I'm already in love, so nothing can make me want to fall Good in answer. love. <laughs> Uh, thank you, baby. So I too. She didn't mean you. Oh, <laughs> good one. I chose Moulin Rouge. Oh wow, well, that's a good choice. It's hard to argue that one. I like that movie. Really romantic movie. It was just, yeah, it was just very dramatic, and you know, I'll do anything for you, and I'll die, and blah blah blah. It was just kind of like Dracula, <laughs> in some weird way. Just like Dracula. Just like yeah, it. Watch that. Watch that movie again from the from the from the love perspective, not the I've I've just drank all your blood and impaled all your people. <laughs> oh, your and also turned into a nine foot bat. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, don't watch it for that part. Also, I really, really, really loved Ewan McGregor's version of your yes. song. Absolutely. Okay. What the uh, Elton John it's so song? So dramatic! Yes. It gave me yeah. the feels. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, it's not bad. I hope Even you I don't mind. That. He's pretty talented. So cool. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't love it. That's for sure. Uh, I'm gonna go with my staple romantic film of all time. Say anything. Oh Feels God. like a real romance, and all involved are great. And it's uh, you know. Makes me want to meet someone like Ioni Sky. Whatever happened to that broad? Well, she was in married one of the Beastie Boys. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. She's waiting for Latham. Man, she might have. She, she might, might be. Let me check if she's single. Uh, I'm being blocked by some kind of internet app. Uh, it says stalker.com. <laughs> oh, stalkernet. <laughs> She is 50. Oh, wow. She's my age. She's just a little older than me. Tiny bit. 
she's born British. I didn't know she was British. Me neither. She oh, was pre- pre- She was previously oh. married to Adam Horowitz. Nah, she's got a Told partner. You. Oh yeah, Ad Rock, nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety nine. Ben Lee too. Oh no, she was in a TV show right called now. Covington Cross that was English in the in the in the nineties. This is annoying that she's. I think I downloaded it. <laughs> I think I actually have it. You should email her. I just did, Deirdre. I just did. Well, she's actually been in a lot of movies. What's the next question? <laughs> the next, the next and final question, which is not where can you find Ioni Sky? Um, <laughs> yes, uh, a film with your favorite ending. Well, I don't have a favorite ending, but oh, no. I had to pick a film that had an ending I love in relevance to the film itself. So I chose Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I love the end of that film. I love the way it's handled. Jesus. Talk about a downer. You can call it a downer all you like, but it's 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 a historical, you know, it's a historical. I don't like that ending. I think it's overrated, but that's cool. You like that's it. Fine. That's fine. I thought the whole movie was overrated. I'm kind of with you there, Deirdre. I think that movie is... Not a classic in by any sense. Oh god, what the fuck Jesus is wrong Christ, with all of man. you, Deirdre? Don't talk to me. I didn't say it. I just said it was a downer. <laughs> I didn't say it was. Piece I don't of even know. I, I liked it. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I no, liked I, I need it. your film with your favorite ending. Didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking you to explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I know there was something somewhere where I cheered, which I never do, but I couldn't remember that movie, so I chose seven. What's in the box? Yeah, that's, that's a good. That's a good choice. Hassan, how, how do we feel about that ending, Hassan? <laughs> that's a downer. That's a downer. It didn't say what's what's a great no, happy right. ending. You didn't. Uh, Latham? Well, my re- review of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Sorry, the ending to me is just no big deal. Right. Okay. All right. Did, 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 um, right there. So edgy. My, uh, my, my movie with uh, one of the best endings is uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. And that's a, uh, that's a great choice. The absurdity of war, the the things it leads people to do, and, and then it's all summarized in one final pathetic motion by Alec Guinness. Pretty great. Oh, what is that? I just <laughs> thought of a fucking great movie with a fucking fantastic <clears throat> ending. Butch Cassidy and Sundance: The Early Days. No, oh, and it's just Butch and Sundance: Smokey The Early Days. The bandit. Yeah, Smokey is no. the bad. Smokey is the bad. Jesus Christ. Okay, what is it? Cannonball Run. No, the movie I just thought of that. Honestly, I would probably replace Butch Cassidy the Sundance Kid with this. All right. And and thumb meters ready for you. The man in the white suit. Uh, I don't know what that is. Neither do I. It's uh, Alec Guinness from the either late forties, early fifties. Uh, he's a guy that invents a fabric that doesn't wear out. All of the textile manufacturers uh, start to go after him physically because, and and he's basically, he's got this material that won't, 
it won't wear out. So everyone, you know, everyone's going to own clothes and never have to buy clothing again. Right. He's ruined everything. Yes. But the ending, which I can't give away because it's a, it's a twist ending is brilliant. And okay. it's, it's an it, early twist ending too. Yes. Yes. I'm writing that one down. Yeah. I'm actually going to, I'm going to, I'm actually going to replace Butch Cussing and the Sundance kid with that one. Um, the man in the white suit. Got it. Uh, 191951. Yeah, that's 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 a movie. That's a movie my mom made me watch. She's like, you should you should definitely watch this. Only an hour and 25 minutes long. God, Michael Goff is in it. It's okay. probably it's probably I'll a fucking probably a kid in that movie. Anyway, uh Hassan, film with your favorite ending. Glory. Mm. Oh. It, and then actually the my the my idea of the ending is that last uh that last like three minutes when everyone's being buried. <laughs> oh. I think that's a beautiful coda for uh for the story that they were trying to tell. Uh I think so too. It's a it's a took, well told story beginning to end. It took me a long time to see that movie. I didn't uh I didn't see that movie when it came out and I didn't see it for uh I don't know, probably ten years. At least, yeah. It's, it's a. It's I just I don't know. I didn't have I didn't have any reasoning. I just it was wasn't it just wasn't high on my priority list for some reason. But uh, so there you go. There's there's uh, thirty questions, thirty films <laughs> from 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 us. Uh, uh, hope you have enjoyed this uh, epically long show, <laughs> which uh, I don't honestly even know how many pieces I'm going to have to cut this into because that's cool. Exactly. To anyone who's listening, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Fesleyan Music. Get your own royalty-free music at fesleyanstudios.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast, or you can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, myself, Dear to Brooks, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend, list maker, and heartbreaker, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. There you go.